Welcome to the Catholic Connect Podcast. I'm your host, David Scubin. This is a podcast for all Catholics and people of goodwill who strive to live in the world, but not be of the world. First and foremost, we need to be disciples of Jesus ourselves. And then we go forth and make disciples of all nations, just as our Lord commanded. Through a series of timely topics and great guests, we will take that long and narrow journey to heaven together, encouraging each other in faith and virtue along the way. So let's get started. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. We're so honored and blessed to have the following guest join us. He is the founder and director of the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Mission Society of Canada and the editor of the best-selling book, The Cries of Jesus from the Cross, a Fulton Sheen anthology. Uh, he's been serving in the church for many years as a Catholic evangelist and radio host and writer, and uh, also serves on the board of directors for the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Foundation in Peoria, Illinois, uh, which pr- is promoting the cause of Sheen's canonization, which is very exciting. He's also a tradesman, uh, retired business owner, husband, father, and grandfather. He's a busy man. He's got a lot going on. Most importantly, he is our brother in Christ. Uh, welcome, Alan Smith, to the Catholic Connect podcast. How are you, Alan? Uh, great to be here. And uh, again, all things Catholic, all things Canadian. This is awesome. This is awesome. Outstanding, yes. And it is uh, outstanding of a gentleman that Alan is, uh, a Catholic gentleman that he is. We have to acknowledge he's not perfect. He is a Maple Leafs fan, and uh, but it has taught him a lot of virtue over the years, uh, patience and humility, kind of like us Oiler fans too. Things have been going uh, so great for us either, but... At least we've won a cup here a little more recently than you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm so used to Easter and that, uh, you know, we our Good Friday comes early every year. So, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, we haven't seen June hockey in a long time, but um, we're, we're, we're people of hope. We're people of hope. We always say we're God's team because uh, only the Toronto Maple Leafs has produced an abundance of priests. Um, and I think that of, is uh, true. of course, yeah. you know, so we have this history and of course there's the Catholic connection of St. Michael's college being attached to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So all the great hockey icons that we know, Jerry Cheevers with the Boston Bruins, of course, Frank Mahovlich, Davy Keelan, they're all products of St. Michael's college. And so uh, again, uh, we have to thank the church for many great hockey players because again, the Toronto Maple Leafs is God's team. Okay, just I have to put that on the record and we can prove it with our Catholic connection to St. Michael's and producing uh, good sons to the priesthood through the hockey club. So uh, I don't think Edmonton's done that yet. No, we haven't. We're, we're lagging behind for sure. Absolutely. And, okay. it, but you are, you are right, Alan. I mean, it is, uh, that's the great thing about sports too, is uh, it uh, trains you physically, but also uh, mentally as well. And uh, if you can get the spiritual aspect of it too, boy, you're, you know, you got something good going on there. So, but yes. uh, no, that's great. Uh, so like I said, Alan, you're a, you're a busy gentleman. You've had uh, a lot going on over the years here. You're uh, actively involved in the church and ministry. Uh, so what kind of got you involved with uh, being involved in the universal church in such a uh, heavy and a profound way? Right. I have to say it all begins at home. And um, I am a blessed man. I am one of 12 children. Uh, I come from a small Catholic family. And uh, again, uh, it's just all I know is that uh, I grew up in a generation where there was 12 children in my family, but there was 10 children in the neighbor's house and 14 children down the street. So uh, large Catholic families was the norm in the 60s for me. And so I grew up in a very uh, devout home uh, where the faith was celebrated. Uh, we didn't have television. My mom and dad made sure that we uh, learned musical instruments. We learned how to do improvisational comedy. <laughs> we learned how to entertain one another. And my good mother and father volunteered us for everything, including roles in the church. So uh, altar serving, lecturing, uh, you know, running youth ministry. Uh, my mom and dad made sure we were plugged in. And so uh, I was a blessed man to have faith uh, on a daily basis. Um, I don't remember a day of my life where I haven't gone to daily mass. Um, we went to mass before school every day. It was part of my culture. So uh, even from grade two, right through to grade eight, uh, going to um, you know grade school, we went to mass every morning and we served. 
And then in high school, we still would go to mass before we went to high school. So uh, my life has been uh, plugged into the sacraments. And so I've reaped the benefits of that. Uh, but being a bit of a, a ham, and I should say that, and that we, my mom and dad made sure we were all actors and actresses, uh, I found a love for radio because my dad loved radio. And uh, I was given an opportunity in 1998 to... Um, volunteer at a, not a Catholic radio station, but a secular radio station, because uh, in Canada, we don't have Catholic radio stations like in the United States. And uh, there was um, a program called Faith of Our Fathers. And it was a group of Catholics that were sharing some of the teachings of the church, and they asked me to be a guest host. And so I would come in once a month to the station just to volunteer. And uh, in 2006, the station phoned me up and approached me and said, uh, we'd like to give you an hour if you'd like to do a Catholic hour and put whatever you want on the Catholic hour. Uh, but uh, again, you know, make it CRTC approved and uh, you're golden. And so me and my friend went into the radio station and signed a contract uh, and we did the rosary on the radio. Rosary, Chaplet of Mercy, Lives of the Saints. And we just uh, stepped out in faith and said, Lord, uh, we know that it's good to put the rosary on the radio and you'll fund it. It's, and we entrusted it to the Blessed Mother's Care and the money has come, thanks be to God, all these years. But I got to hone my craft just getting behind the microphone and sharing the faith. And uh, I had to learn my faith even at a higher level because I was going to present on the lives of the saints. And uh, doing my homework helped me uh, grow in this awe of the church and the dedication of many holy men and women that have come before us and laid down their lives for the faith. So uh, again, I'm a blessed man, but it comes naturally through my childhood. And uh, again, um, I always say God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And so uh, I'm not qualified to be what I call, you know, a full-time radio host. Uh, I stutter. <laughs> you know, my grammar isn't that great all the time. And uh, But yet it's, hey, just put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. And I will supply your need. And so that's what he's done. So uh, I'm uh, living the dream, living the dream in that uh, this radio thing that is still going on today and I'm still the host of the Holy Rosary program. And for the last uh, nine years, been a host of a Bishop Sheen show. Um, again, I just uh, do my best, turn on the record button, and away we go. So uh, God fills in the, in the gaps. And so um, I don't know if that makes sense. but uh, That makes again. perfect sense because that's, that's two of us, Alan. I, I, I mean, there's still those days where I look at... Uh, microphones and recordings with a, with a lot of fear and that fear is not from God for sure because I know that you know God calls us all to do different things and this is one thing that uh, we're just having this this little humble podcast I'm hoping that uh, we can reach a lot of people with and that's why I'm glad to uh, to meet uh, a guy like yourself Alan that's uh, also in the vineyard as well and and uh, we're not perfect but we're certainly striving for heaven and uh, and it's just unfortunate that we look at our church today and we see so many of our brothers and sister Catholics that are just, uh, um, they're, they're, some of them even are equipped, but the willingness to go out on that, uh, out on the field, if we can use a, a sports analogy, which I know we both love as well. Um, there, there is something to be said for just wanting to get out there and to participate and be in that battle every day. And Jesus sees that and he will give us that grace through the, the sacraments and uh, to, to do those things. So, Important uh, note that I was just uh, thinking about a rule of life, Alan, and it seems like that was instilled in you since you were young and since you were a child. And how important is it to have a daily routine, a daily spiritual routine? You know, we see the, the guys and I'm, I know I'd like to get in better physical shape. Well, I'm not going to be doing that by going to the fridge every day and, and having snacks, uh, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, right? There's got to be a routine. Uh, to get into better physical shape. Same thing with our spiritual lives, right, Alan? Um, sounds like going to Mass has always been a big part of your life. What are some other things that you can suggest to us? You already mentioned the rosary as well, but uh, what are some good things that we could do to highlight that rule of life? Right. Yeah, and I mean, I have a pattern. They always say you have to create habits, and hopefully they're holy habits. And uh, for me, going to daily Mass has been a holy habit that uh, started at a young age and was encouraged by 
uh, my parents, my father um, left the house at 6.30 every morning. And he was up with the sun, of course, had his coffee. And um, again, um, we could always smell the fresh coffee brewing. Uh, we knew the world was alive and well. My dad was up making coffee, but he'd head out the, he'd, he'd head out the door at 6.30 in the morning to go to mass before work. And he uh, worked in a big corporate tower, but he left early to go to mass. And um, then uh, for us as school children, we'd all uh, get into the big uh, 10 passenger van and my, my good mother would drive us up uh, to school and we'd half of us would get out and go to church. The other half would go and play. But uh, some of us again, got into that holy habit of just going to mass and it becomes a part of your life. You, I just, you know, don't know my life without that. And the same is true with the rosary. Um, at six o'clock every night, we prayed the rosary as a family. We'd have supper at five and at six o'clock the rosary and everybody was invited. And of course, um, the invitation was open, but I just, we did still find us. So uh, praying the rosary became just part of what I do. And so um, again, these are all holy habits that um, come, I guess, naturally to me in the sense of it was just a way of life. I wouldn't think of not praying. And um, then, of course, those little habits of reading daily scripture and, uh, of course, uh, doing an examination of conscience. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, that was uh, very helpful in my life to keep me humble, keep me focused. Um, and again, if you go on retreat, these are all things that the spiritual directors recommend to people. Uh, but I, I have to say that what helped me the greatest of all was my dad just kind of setting me straight to say, I want to just give you what the meaning of life is. Remember that God came and created you and uh, put you on this earth. Remember, he pats you on the head and says, I'm coming back for you. Be good. And remember, you were made for eternity. Get used to it. Get used to it. You have eternity all in you. Okay, so do your best here in this first leg of this journey. And God will have another leg for you and another leg. Uh, and St. Therese then affirmed that as I got older and started reading the lives of the saints. I realized I had St. Teresa... Uh, the little flower had that philosophy of life too, that she was made forever. She knew it. Uh, she was on her lap, the lap of her grandfather. And I think she was about five and she was looking up into the stars and she saw the letter T in the stars. And she says, grandpa, I'm made for heaven. I know I'm made for eternity. I'm going to go up to God one day and yet of course be with him. And of course her great lines that she wants to spend her eternity doing good works on earth. So um, that helped me a lot. I wake up every day and just go, it's another day in eternity. Okay, what do you got, Lord? Are we going to do a radio show today? Good. Are you going to go fix some pipes? Let's do it. Um, again, all of, not all of my worry, but a lot of my worry has left because I bought into that program. I'm made forever. And God is my keeper and he wants the best for me. And he's saying, you work hard, you know, do your best and God will do the rest is so true. So um, again, buy into the program, buy into the program. You're made for eternity. Get used to it. That's outstanding. That's, that's so beautiful. Yeah. That's uh, uh, magnanimity, uh, a term that uh, again, uh, the, the Catholic church has made famous and uh, we just look at the lives of the saints and that's what they lived is magnanimity. And we all have that inside of us, don't we, Alan? I mean, you described it pretty much right there. It's that, desire for spiritual greatness it's it's in all of our hearts and our souls and when you're a baptized individual you have that holy spirit in your soul and if we can all just take that that time and that's why i brought up you know these these rules of life in our family and, and in our individual lives um when we have that quiet time whether you're at mass or you take that time to to pray the rosary uh have some time to pray with your family especially if you have children uh, and your your, uh, your your wife or your husband, but um, yeah, it, it's in you. It, there is that that longing, that desire for greatness, something more than what we can see on this earth. So, so that's uh, that's really uh, uh, great that you shared that, Alan. Thank you very much. You're so, welcome. the media. Um, this is something again that you kind of picked up. It wasn't something that was uh, immediately uh, on your uh, your radar. Can you see you're a tradesperson as well and and uh, owned a business for a long time, but you, you got into this. And uh, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the, some stories about 
getting the rosary on secular radio, uh, talking about the lives of saints on a secular radio station. Like you said, we don't have uh, very, we don't have any Catholic radio stations that I know of in, in Canada. There's many in the United States, but um, maybe tell us a little bit about, I guess, some of the, the ways that God uh, opened your eyes to, to get into that ministry and, and maybe some of the fruits of those, uh, those labors. Again, I, I sometimes I look at things in a rearview mirror and I say, look at, say, God, boy, your hand was upon me. And I started to connect the dots. And I'll tell a story about my confirmation. And when I was confirmed, I didn't know what name to pick. I really didn't. You know, we all have struggled with this a lot of times is saying, which do I pick Christopher or Joe Joseph or Mark, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Like, um, and I said to my mom, I said, mom, I don't know what name to pick. Uh, there's so many good ones. And she says, you need to pick Blessed Alan de la Roche. And I kind of go, I never heard of him. Now, oh, just trust me, trust me. Blessed Alan de la Roche, okay? And so I went up in front of the bishop and I said, uh, I want to be confirmed uh, Blessed Alan de la Roche. And he confirmed me Blessed Alan. And so I thought, okay, cool. Uh, just, and that, just, that thought went away from my mind for years. But when you study the life of Blessed Alan de la Roche, he, of course, was very big on promoting the rosary and uh, sharing the rosary. Again, uh, St. Dominic did a lot of the legwork at the beginning and things fell off a little bit. And so St. Um, Blessed Alan de la Roche picked up the ball and ran with it and promoted the rosary. And then all of a sudden I have this holy inspiration to um, go and you know get behind the microphone and play a rosary CD uh, and of course a chaplet and then of course give my own meditations. But then I connected the dots to say, ah, saints pick us. Actually, that is so true. Saints pick us. And Blessed Alan de la Roche said, hey, I'll partner with Al Smith, the gas man, that plumber, and I'll get him to use the radio. <laughs> and I'll get him to do the rosary on the radio on a public radio station to boot. So let's do that. And so, of course, uh, the radio station, it's all about the money, right? So um, when we approached them, we said, we want to do this. Uh, you know, we, we knew the demographic in Canada is that 30 to 40% of all Canadians are Catholic, uh, by heritage because of immigration and because of our cultural um, you know mix that we have here in this great country and so we knew the demographic was going to lend well to us now a matter of will we have the money right and we just entrusted to our lady and as soon as we went on the air uh, in, it was January 1st 20, 2006 the donations just flowed into the station and uh, we received even more money than we needed. And so, of course, uh, we knew right away that our Blessed Mother wanted this to stay on the air. And it was so, uh, you know, again, we were blown away by the phones ringing, you know, people just saying, you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm homebound. I haven't been able to get out of my house for years. You're providing me with some spiritual food for the journey, uh, the meditations, uh, hearing about the saints. Thank you for being on the air. And, uh, and the amount of Protestants that would call in to say, uh, the rosary that you're playing is very musical. And uh, of course, the meditations that the priest uh, puts in between each decade. Um, we knew that this was for, it was an oasis for Catholics and Protestants, a spiritual oasis. And so we knew something uh, was, uh, we were filling a need. We were fulfilling a need. And that bill kept coming every year, yet the money kept coming in. So um, we know that, uh, again, that our Blessed Mother has a way. Um, she's approachable. Um, you know, sure, there's many people that hate the Catholic Church, but Fulton Sheen, a great saint, uh, I always say saint in the making, Bishop Fulton Sheen, he said that uh, there are only truly about 100 people in the United States of America that truly hate the Catholic Church, but there are millions of people who hate what they think the Catholic Church is. And uh, this is true of, of putting the rosary on the radio. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, most people would say, you know what, um, it's not that offensive because it is what I call the Bible on beads. Um, they start to listen to the meditations. They realize what we're doing is we're going through the life of Christ by you know, announcing each decade of the rosary. And I think they can't complain with scripture and they can't complain with God's love for the world that he sent his only son to come here to die for us so that we can go to heaven. 
and the Bible on the beads tells the story, tells the story. So I'm a storyteller. That's what a lot of people on radio are. We're storytellers. So I tell a great story every Sunday morning and it's been good. So uh, again, that's just a little uh, antidote from uh, the years of going into the station and picking up the phone lines and reading the mail. We are touching lives because it is Our Lady and she brings everyone to Jesus. That's her mission. Absolutely. And an authentic Catholicism is so important. Uh, I'm glad you, you quoted that, um, that little clip from Archbishop Sheen because it's really true. You know, Alan, if we look at the news today and, uh, you know, you look at the secular news and, and they talk a lot about, obviously, politics and the politicians that we have, uh, you know, whether in the United States or in Canada, people know they're Catholic because they say that they're Catholic, these, these politicians. They say they're Catholic and then they do the exact opposite of what people that are maybe not even Christians, they're not even anywhere close to the, the church, but they know there's something in their hearts, I think, Alan. They know what Catholics stand for. They know it. And when they see the opposite, it's, it's, it's such a poor example, doesn't it? Yes. So when, when people meet an authentic Catholic, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? And then they, they can see this, okay, the, this makes sense. This person, this does kind of add up with what I've heard with the Catholic Church. But what we're seeing in the world today is is very poor example. And I would say scandal too. And mm -hmm. it really goes to show that the body of Christ really hurts when there's scandal in our church. But when there's things like bringing the rosary to a, to a radio station, look at the, the great response that you, you'd receive from that. Something as simple but as as uh, authentic as that uh, can make a big difference. And uh, so Archbishop Sheen, he was a real trailblazer, wasn't he? Maybe tell us a little bit about, uh, at the time, in the, you know, the 50s, the 60s, new media then was TV. Uh, hard to believe probably for some of our younger listeners, but people didn't have TVs in their house then. <laughs> they certainly didn't have multiple TVs for sure. But uh, what was his... Uh, I guess his reach with new media at the time. Well, his um, reach of 30 million people uh, each week on his television shows um, began with his uh, learning his craft with radio. Um, you know, he spent over 20 years uh, doing a weekly radio show and it was called the Catholic hour. And uh, back then um, in the United States, uh, the people who ran radio stations gave what they call equal airtime to all the religious groups. So the Lutherans had time on the radio. The, um, of course, the, it, whatever denominations, um, they just said to each, each group, you know, you can have equal time. And so um, people still listen to the Lutheran Hour, and uh, that program still goes on even today. But there was the Catholic Hour. So it was a half hour long and Bishop Sheen would, um, at the time he was Monsignor Sheen, would go into the station and give radio addresses. And again, I always know that uh, Fulton Sheen was a priest at heart and he was, uh, the way when you listen to his radio broadcast, you just thought he provided a catechesis and he was saying, I have millions of people listening to me every week talk about, you know, when I go into a parish, I might have a hundred souls in front of me, but I have four million people listening, Catholics and Protestants alike, and I'm going to share the richness of the faith every week. And he did that for 22 years on the Catholic Hour. And of course, uh, he had so many converts because he was so convincing, uh, because he would tie the scriptures into uh, everyday life. He would tie the scriptures into the sacramental life of the church. And he would, um, uh, you would almost see him today if uh, a Baptist came up to Fulton Sheen and said, would you like to become a Baptist? And he'd say, um, I choose to be Catholic when I could be anything else. You know, we could be Baptist, we could be Anglicans, we could be Buddhist. Uh, but he gave us enough evidence to say, I want you to choose Christ and choose the Catholic Church because you will be fed, you will have a rule of life. And you will find the peace that I have in my heart. And when we would watch him on television, you'd say, he's got it. He's got a peace uh, that passes all understanding. You knew uh, that Jesus Christ was his best friend and that uh, that was worth, um, you know, 
exchanging everything for that pearl of great price. And so, uh, again, he had this voice that uh, you listen to his recordings and you go, he gets your attention. He, um, uh, I like to say he was vaudeville trained. He knew how to do inflection. And of course, uh, he listened to his voice. He had pause. He, you know, a lot of times in radio, people complain, oh, that's dead air. No, 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 that's called pause. And that's, it has a great effect. Uh, but again, he would bring the scriptures with him. He spent time in front of the, our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament each day and got, you could almost see, get his notes. He, he was conversing with our Lord saying, I want to go on the radio and I want to share this. What do you think? And uh, again, he was just speaking from the heart, but convincing. And my father is a convert to the Catholic faith because he listened to Fulton Sheen on the radio and watched him on television. And he was convinced that uh, being Catholic um, was his ticket to heaven. <laughs> it was his ticket, not only to heaven, but to happiness. And, uh, you know, Fulton Sheen's uh, television show was called Life is Worth Living. Uh, he made that very clear. Your life is worth living. God has a plan for each and every one of you. Uh, so embrace it. Embrace it. And uh, my father uh, took that to heart and said, yeah, my life is worth living. And I'm going to have a better life if I live as a Catholic and live a sacramental life. And uh, again, my dad is one of hundreds of thousands of converts that came to the faith because of Fulton Sheen's radio addresses and television shows. I don't think a lot of people realize that too, Alan, is that you think of at the time and even today, because his words ring so true today, and I'm sure we'll talk about this here shortly as well, but um, you know, from the time of, of Jesus to the times of the first apostles, even the early church, nobody has heard, no, there, I don't think any, the, the, the number of people that have heard the gospel from the lips of um, Fulton J. Sheen, I don't think it's even close. He's preached to the most people in the history of, of the world, in the history of the church. And that's pretty amazing when you sit back and think about that. But it's true. And uh, even today, he's reaching new years all the time. You know, I, I love how you said, you know, the power of a pause, but and, and it makes a, a, a lot of sense for him when you see him speak. But that was one thing that I noticed when I was, when you watch some of his old videos of Life is Worth Living and TV, he would come in and, you know, his presence was, there was a holiness. There was this um, uh, about him when he came in and he, he looked like a priest, he, you know, the way he dressed in his cassock and he came in and he wasn't, you know, showing up in shorts and a flip-flops, right? He was, he was, he came in and he looked like he was ready to preach the gospel and you hear that applause, you know, this the, the cordial applause for someone that comes into the studio. And then he would pause and he would look over the room for about two or three seconds, Alan. And I always thought that was so powerful. He would just, and he would just command a presence and then he would speak. And um, it's like, you know, I think all of us, Catholic, maybe, we, I don't know if we'll ever get to that level of presentation and clarity, but we can certainly aspire for that. And we can ask for his intercession on that. Now, you talked about, and it's interesting too, how your dad converted. I mean, there's so many stories like that of people that heard this message and he came up with a message of truth, right, Alan? Life is worth living. Okay, now let's build around that and let's get people interested in that concept first and then I'm going to introduce them to the faith, right? And that's exactly what he did. And my mom was actually telling me just a, a few weeks ago about how uh, my grandma and her mom, she would, uh, she had a radio then, she would have it turned down pretty low, but she would go listen by the radio every, I think it was on the Sunday, and uh, somehow in Saskatchewan, they would get that uh, that radio show with, with Archbishop Sheen, and, and uh, for my grandma, he was uh, he was just, it was just huge for her, right? She just uh, absolutely loved him, so. Now, back in the day there, you said that you know, it was a 30-minute show, but uh, the TV show itself was actually winning awards, right, Alan? A lot of people don't realize that if you think of today the, the daytime and nighttime Emmy Awards, but Bishop Sheen was actually winning awards for his show. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. And he actually did win two Emmys. And um, again, always for outstanding personality on television. And he would beat Lucille Ball, Milton Burrow, all those great names. And um, again, because even though of the uh, producers of the show um, just thought, you know what, we're taking a chance here going up against 
Milton Berle and Jackie Gleason and all these other greats. Um, in fact, Milton Berle had to change his time slot because he realized he was losing the battle uh, for ratings uh, against Fulton Sheen. But um, again, I think people just, when they saw him come out in his priestly vestments, of course, his uh, role as a bishop, he had his, um, um, he had his bishop's garb on. And um, I don't know all the name is Ferriola and um, all his pectoral cross. But when he came out on stage with, uh, in full uh, bishop attire, uh, it just, everybody just paid attention. But then, as you said, he, he connected with everyone. He was there to say, I'm here to feed you. I'm here to help you. Uh, I'm not here to show off about me. I'm here to talk about my best friend. And I'm here to talk about the issues of your life. And that's what uh, he did so well. He, um, he segued to a message of Jesus and salvation, but he talked about the everyday issues of uh, the day, um, just the issues that were facing society. And uh, towards the end of the program, he would then bring in a spiritual theme. You know, he was, for given one example, he would talk about uh, humility. But uh, he said, you know, I remember one day, uh, the Emmy Awards, for example, he noticed that uh, many people were getting up and thanking their writers, thanking uh, their friends and family, but very few of them thanked God, because it was God that gave them the gift. And of course, Fulton Sheen, when he received his Emmy, he said, I want to thank my writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, and so he brought down the house with that line. But he made this commentary, he said, you know, it reminds me of everyday life. Uh, we go to these award shows, we see everybody uh, thank their friends, their family, their writers, but very few people thank God. Uh, it reminds me of our blessed Lord. One day he healed 10 lepers and uh, he sent them on their way. And only one of them came back to thank him. It's kind of like us, right? And so you could just see, he was saying, my best friend Jesus knows what it's like to be dissed, to not be appreciated. Um, he suffered this, um, this wound of, you know, people not coming back to thank. And we do the same thing in society, right? And we're all going, you're right. I don't thank God enough. I don't give him enough praise that he gave me this voice. He gave me this courage. He gave me all of this. Um, so again, he was always able to take the conversation and then put the spotlight on Jesus. And um, again, that was his gift because he got us at the end to think, yeah, it is all about heaven and God, salvation, our soul. Yes, we, we do live in this valley of tears. We struggle, but God is our rock and our strength. And he reminded us of that. So uh, again, that was his gift, was his gift. Yeah, that's outstanding. I, actually, I'm going to show you the book. The one book that I do have, Alan Smith, is uh, Go to Heaven. Even this book in the title, uh, he said that so many people say, go to hell. So why doesn't anybody ever say, go to heaven? And I was like, why? You know, that's, it's simple, but he's right. Why don't we say go to heaven? So he named a book and, and he wrote this book. But I, I wanted to just go with it because I, I came across it. I was reading it the other day. I thought you'd appreciate this because it ties into how relevant his message was back in the 40s, the 50s. I believe he wrote this book in the 40s, late 40s. Uh, it says, what would you say is the major peril in the world today? I would say it's authoritarianism, for it includes not only communism, but all those old and new forms of state supremacy and political dictatorship, which destroys freedom. Authoritarianism enslaves in three ways. Number one, by subjecting the mind to dogmas and systems. Number two, by making fear, or sorry, by making fear the basis of authority. And number three, by destroying freedom of thought. And I thought, Boy, uh, is uh, is the good bishop? Is he uh, sitting amongst us right now? Is he? Uh, and uh, we talked about this off air. I guess he is with us in a real special way because um, we have reason to believe, great reason to believe, he's in heaven right now. And in the Catholic Church, we have the community of the saints, so he's watching us and, and journeying with us as well and praying for us. But yeah, you see a quote like that from so many decades ago. But what? Alan makes his preaching from all those years ago so relevant today in our world. I think the key to his gift uh, was twofold. Um, the first is, is that I like to say he had a secret weapon and the secret weapon was, is that he heard our confessions. Um, he heard our confessions. And, and I, I say to people all the time, remember 
what Fulton Sheen has, and these two things are, is that he heard our confessions, and two, he had the grace of a sacrament. He had a sacramental grace of holy orders, and he used that grace uh, to his advantage to bring souls to Christ. And so hearing our confessions for all those years as a priest, he was able to then say, hey, I know what's troubling you. I've heard your confessions. Now, he couldn't say that he heard our confessions, but I was thinking, where does he get all this wisdom and all of this? Well, it's from those hours and hours in the confessional ministering to souls, uh, the back and forth. And of course, uh, after stepping out of the confessional, I'm sure he went to be with our Eucharistic Lord and spent time in this holy hour talking things over, saying, Lord, um, you know, I had these penitents come to me and you know, I'm praying for them and, uh, you know, what advice can I give them if they come again or to the world? And you could just see he would plug into Jesus to give those, um, you know, the answers to, uh, to everything that troubled the world. So, again, those two things of hearing our confessions and having the sacramental grace of being a priest and having holy orders um, really served him well. And uh, again, that's why he was able to write so well about topics that are near and dear to our heart. Uh, for me, it was his writings on the cross. And uh, the first book that I truly uh, dove into of Fulton Sheen was his book from 1939 called Victory Over Vice. And it's a book that he wrote about the seven deadly sins and how the seven last words were the antidote for each and every one of those seven deadly sins. And what Fulton Sheen was able to do in that book was he was the first priest that made me feel guilty uh, for my sin. Um, what we struggle with, uh, many of us, is that we fall into these habitual sins that, you know, just are part of our life. And we just get into the habit of going to confession, confessing our sins, getting our absolution, and then hoping it doesn't happen again. But um, part of the reason why we never... Um, amended our life is because we probably were never sorry for our sins and realized we wounded somebody. And what Fulton Sheen was able to do for me is he pointed to the cross and said, look what your sins did. It put me on the cross and caused me to die because I had to die for your sins. And second, my mother's at the foot of the cross losing her son and look what you did to my mother. And I was good enough to give her to you as a gift at Calvary when I said, woman, behold your son and behold your mother. Um, at that moment, we all became children of Mary. And so Fulton Sheen was able to all of a sudden rattle my cage and said, look what your sin did to me and my mother. Now, what are you going to do about that? And wow, that was the game changer for me. I realized that uh, my sin cost our Lord and Our Lady. And, um, you know, my father would pull uh, me and my brothers into the room. And whenever we make our mother cry, <laughs> my dad, you know, he'd pull us in and say, boys, you need to go apologize to your mother and you need to make up to her, do some kind acts, some reparation. And we did that. And I kind of felt that same pull. Uh, Fulton Sheen was saying to me, you need to apologize to your mother, your blessed mother, uh, for your role in uh, putting me on the cross and uh, make amends of your life. Uh, work on uh, working out those sins, okay? Um, and I would use the seven last words as my examination of conscience. Um, and they're beautiful words. I mean, uh, just a quick, you know, Cole's notes. I always say, if you suffer from anger, remember the words, Father, forgive, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive. If you suffer from envy, think of the good thief. He didn't envy anything. Yet our Lord said to him, this day you'll be with me in paradise. You struggle with the sin of lust. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. She is protective custody. If you want to become pure, go to her. She will help you. Sin of envy. I'm sorry, the sin of, um, of pride. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, our Lord uh, put himself at that low moment um, to, again, battle and make reparation for the sin of pride. The sin of gluttony, he says, I thirst. We gluttonize not just on food and drink, but on sports and all kinds of stuff. But he's saying, thirst for me, thirst for me, relationship with me. 
the sin of laziness, he said, it is finished. I came and did the Father's will. I completed my work, and you complete your work. And for the sin of greed, he says, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And uh, again, he's saying, give God your all. Give him your will, especially. So again, those seven deadly sins, I thought I only had two. I realized I had all seven. And uh, again, Fulton Sheen was able to coach me to help me work out this stuff. So thank you, God, for sending me Archbishop Sheen and that one book, Victory Over Vice. And that's the book I recommend everybody starts with because we need to work on personal holiness. And uh, Fulton Sheen has a, a roadmap to help us. So, Oh, that's outstanding. No, thanks for that uh, reflection there too on, on what uh, Sheen said in that book. I'm going to definitely buy it. And I just scribbled it down. I was like, oh, this is a book I'm going to have to get. And I'm going to tell Ellen how it, uh, how it goes here. This is great. So, um, and, and you know what? Uh, I think that uh, Bishop Sheen would agree with us too, that if, we're not moving forward in our spiritual lives. We're actually moving backwards. There's, there's no such thing as neutral. And I think a lot of Catholics, we just don't recognize that. And uh, if you are going to confession and confessing the same old sins regularly, at least you're going to confession. Now you just need a little bit of rocket fuel to help you get over that, uh, over that mountain in your life, those, those, uh, those sins, right? And there are ways to, uh, to do that. You know, you mentioned something like gluttony. Um, you know, what are we doing in our, in our spare time? Uh, you know, are we, are we eating snacks? Are we watching football or, and all, you know, those things are in themselves and in moderation are fine, but there's, there's better ways to do these things. There's, you know, uh, I always say without, uh, there can't be a feast unless there's, there's a fast, right. And um, little things like that. And the reason I mentioned gluttony is that in the church, I think it's generally recognized that if you can get over the sin of gluttony, if you can start with that, then you can start picking off the other ones in your life. Right. And, and uh, like you said, Al, and I, I totally agree. Sometimes you think you've only got a problem with one or two. Out of the seven deadly sins, we've all got at least a little bit in our lives, all seven of them. But uh, the antidote is Jesus Christ and, and living a, a sacramental life for sure. So let's talk about um, a couple of the books. And I do want to get to the cause for sainthood and where we're at with that with Archbishop Sheen as well. But do you want to share with us a little bit about um, the books that you edited? Uh, how many there are, what what they're called, and how people can get a hold of them, because they're all outstanding, and they all have to do with Sheen. In 2009, I read my first Sheen book, and I just then started to consume as many Sheen books that I could purchase and read. Well, he wrote 66 books, and he had 20 years of radio transcripts and many years of television transcripts and his 30 years of newspaper columns. And I just started to consume as much as I could. And so I uh, spent every spare moment, I think, reading Fulton Sheen because he, it was so uplifting. It was such good stuff. And, you know, again, I thought, you know, he's got some themes here in his writings. And I think people would always say, you know, could you consolidate that work for me? Could you put it together in bite-sized pieces that I think are meaningful? And I said, sure. And so this is what I thought. I thought he wrote all of these books on the seven last words and all the different themes, because every year he would talk about the seven last words, our Lord spoke from the cross, and he would tie it into a theme on uh, virtue one year, the Beatitudes another year, the seven deadly sins another year, the seven words of Mary another year, like Calvary and the Mass, Our Father. Like I thought, wow, every year he's speaking about a theme and the seven last words. And I realized, let's put that all in one book because we need a field manual to work on virtue, to work on our relationship with the Blessed Virgin Mary, to work on living the Beatitudes. And so I thought, you know, put it all in one anthology. And I approached a publisher, Sophia Institute Press in the United States. And I said, I have this idea. Um, and here's my first chapter. What do you think? Well, within a week, they sent it back saying, let's do this book. And so uh, the first book that I wrote, uh, Lord, sorry, The Cries of Jesus from the Cross, it's available wherever fine books are sold, but it is published by Sophia Institute Press. I think I can hold up a copy. I don't know if uh, the world is watching here, but um, it's uh, simple. It's got a beautiful um, cover. It's, um, again, the cries of Jesus on the cross. And this is seven books in one. And so it's seven of Sheen's uh, books, but it's really all of his Catholic hour um, 
homilies put into this. And so uh, it is a field manual. So uh, it's done very well. I always say, you know, uh, we never believe that we sold 20,000 copies uh, of this book, but uh, Fulton Sheen is a classic. Um, every, every home should have some Fulton Sheen in it. Um, Life of Christ, the world's first love, the cries of Jesus from the cross, all of these are good. So um, again, this is a collection I thought, take all of his writings on the cross and put it into one book. And that's what uh, the cries of Jesus on the cross is all about. Um, so I always say to people, hey, you can buy seven books for $12 each, or you can buy one book for $18.95. So <laughs> I said, I'm thrifty, I'm thrifty. So I'm thrifty, so make my books thrifty. So uh, for under $20, you can, uh, I always say salvation is free, but maintenance is $18.95. Okay, so uh, well worth it. Um, the second book I put together was, I noticed that Sheen wrote tons of little pamphlets on prayer and meditation. And I thought, you know, everybody needs help with prayer. Like people always say, uh, you know, yeah, I want my fitness goals, I got financial goals, but you know, the goal is to have a better prayer life. And so Sheen would hand out these little pamphlets in the hundreds of thousands. And he would say, if you want one of my pamphlets, just mail into the radio station, we'll send it to you. And I got together all of his little pamphlets on prayer and I put together a book called Lord Teach Us to Pray. And it's um, again, also made by Sophia Institute Press. And in this book is Sheen's writings on the Our Father, the Mass, the Holy Hour. He gives uh, 10 reasons to make a holy hour. He gives us a number of meditations to uh, ponder, uh, reflections on the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Eucharist, Stations of the Cross. So everything that Sheen wrote on prayer, I put it into this book, Lord Teach Us to Pray, because I figure everyone needs a relationship with Christ in a good prayer life, and we need to meditate on the cross uh, because again, we think of Paul, you know, unless I preach Christ and him crucified. Um, and when we encounter the cross, we realize God's love for us. So I thought those are the two books that I want to put together that, uh, again, will speak to the world. And again, make it easy. Make it easy. Be thrifty, but consolidate Sheen's writings into one. And, you know, his first 36 books he wrote were all about uh, mending the relationship mending the relationship. We are, again, broken people, uh, distant from Christ, distant from the church, and we need to come back. We need to come back. And so, um, again, you think about his first 36 books, he was engaging uh, the world to tell us where we're at and where we need to go, <laughs> where we need to go, and that's back to God. So, uh, again, those two books. Now, I'm working on a third book, and it's going to be a re-release of Sheen's writings on the sacraments and on marriage. So it's going to be his 1962 classic, These Are the Sacraments, and his 1951 book, Three to Get Married, and that'll come out next year in an anthology. Um, and there's a fourth book I'm going to write about God's love. It's going to be God is love you and God love you or something like that. But it's uh, people need to know that God loves them. And Sheen wrote a great deal in his newspaper column just to remind people that God loves you, okay? Uh, he is there. He is there, and we can find him. Uh, we can find God. And the scripture that says, seek the Lord while he may be found. We can still find him today. He's right here. So um, again, it's always uh, works in progress, but um, um, people have asked me to re-release some of his books on communism and Marxism and stuff like that. But um, again, I'm going to start with the cross and prayer, sacraments, marriage. I got to get my priorities right. You know, there's so many things to tackle with the sheet, isn't there? But it's timely though. Oh, that's, that's great that you're doing one on, on marriage. And um, I think uh, that that book, I, I have not read that book, uh, Three to Get Married, but I've heard so many good things about that. I'd love to, uh, now I'm going to wait until that uh, yes. until this book comes out and I'm going to get, uh, I guess there's two in that book, right? Two books, two, two books in yeah, one? Two books in one, yeah. Perfect. There you go. Maybe that's all. And I, I'm a little bit thrifty myself, so that's good. Yeah. And my, my wife will be proud of me as well because she's taught me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yes and an important note too god loves you and that that's what he always would that was his his end line right was god love you and uh, boy that's that that is needed in this world today isn't it that's true yeah but i know that you're interested in victory over vice but i always say remember victory over vice is contained in the cries of jesus from the cross it's one of the seven ah. books in this so if you're thrifty you know but it's nice to have a little 
book by itself too. So I'm not going to stop you from buying Victory Over Vice and The Cries of Jesus from the Cross. But I always just say to people, uh, the seven famous titles that many people know, The Cross and the Beatitudes, it's in this book. Victory Over Vice, it's in this book. The Seven Last Words, it's in this book. Uh, the Seven Words of Jesus and Mary in here. So I always just say, there's uh, and there's three books in here that haven't been seen in 80 years. Mm. Um, this is what I find about Fulton Sheen is that a lot of his books need to be republished. They're sitting um, on shelves, but uh, again, haven't been reintroduced to the world. And um, this is one thing I do. And of course, I know you're interested in the cause of Sheen's canonization. And uh, I'm blessed to be, um, I was asked in 2013 uh, by Bishop Daniel Jenke, who is the Bishop of Peoria, to sit on the board of directors uh, for the Archbishop Fulton John Sheen Foundation. And it's the group that promotes his cause for his canonization. And one thing that we do as board members is that we make it our mission to make sure that Sheen is reintroduced to a whole new generation of viewers and listeners. And I remember Father Apostoli, God rest his soul, um, he said, I don't want Sheen's voice to go silent. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that people keep listening to him, that people keep reading his books, keep watching his videos. And so, um, again, we have a mission to, uh, of course, introduce Fulton Sheen to a whole new generations of viewers, listeners, and uh, to keep his voice alive and well. So, uh, again, it's just a real blessing to be uh, attached to this group and to be on this mission. No, that's outstanding, uh, and it's so important. So, where 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 are we at? I mean, I know there's a lot of backstory with Machine's uh, uh, canonization. This whole journey for so many years, with there was uh, uh, again, it's a long story, but there was a battle over his his body uh, with mm -hmm. the um, the diocese of Archdiocese of New York, and uh, that seems to have been resolved. But there was a date that maybe some people didn't didn't know that there was. Uh, the date that uh, that Archbishop Sheen was going to be uh, canonized to to be a saint, uh, but that has been um, also postponed. Uh, where are we at with that right now, Alan? Do you see this being resolved in a somewhat timely way? Yes, I, I always say to people, um, you know, be of good cheer. Um, I think sometimes people think, oh, it's all over. We're not going to see this beatification in our lifetime. You know, those uh, bishops from you know, New York and Rochester, they, they're wrecking our fun. It doesn't look good right now. And I always say to people, remember, this has been postponed. Um, this hasn't been canceled. Mm -hmm. And I tried again, again, the backstory, as you know, um, that um, again, the cause was going along beautifully uh, right up to 2014. Uh, in fact, in 2012, the Holy Father, Pope Benedict uh, XVI, declared Sheen venerable. And of course, we then submitted the miracles to the Vatican. And we have, actually have three documented miracles. Uh, but we sent the one that uh, is, of course, in the public's eye, the one of the little boy that was dead for 61 minutes. And the family prayed for the intercession of Fulton Sheen. And of course, asking the Lord to heal their child. And uh, that child came back to life and has no signs of brain damage. And uh, that little boy is 10 years old now. And uh, again, this beautiful miracle was approved by the Vatican and the Vatican has seven medical doctors on a panel and they went through all the medical reports, the science, and they had to deem it that uh, again, it is a miracle. So when the Holy Father, Pope Francis declared and approved the miracle officially that the Vatican gave its stamp of approval, the Holy Father then said, set the date and beatify him. He's met all the requirements. And uh, again, that was it, it was announced. And so this, I say, you can never take away the miracle. Mm -hmm. You can't take this away. So I always just say, it still has to happen because everything has, we've done all the checks and the balances and the church has declared him blessed, but just hasn't, court, there's, there hasn't been the coronation yet, if you mm -hmm. wanna call it that. And so I just say, um, you know, we as a group have vetted all of these inquiries and these concerns uh, over the years. Um, and again, we know Fulton Sheen is a very holy man. There's no, no one's pointing a finger mm -hmm. to his 
integrity. Uh, they always seem to talk about his administration. Uh, they want to somehow bring up this or bring up that. Uh, but you think of all the great bishops over the years, uh, going to work is not fun. There's always going to be difficulties. You're going to be criticized either way. But we realize that uh, this will pass and that, again, this has just been postponed. Now, I can't say one year, two years, three years, but I can always say, remember, they can never take away the miracle and they can never take away Sheen's full holy life and the testimonies that have been presented. So um, we're squabbling about a date and a location and maybe again just trying to look into two or three other things but um we believe that uh, again the timing will because i know there's uh, what do they call it um it's all these legal jargons this um they give certain timelines for things to be heard or whatever so uh once that passes uh we're clear sailing again and we're just now going to set a new date and move towards uh the beatification mass so uh hopefully it'll be without mask and we'll be in an environment that we're all happy to be a part of that and i know i was asked to do the television coverage for that great event and uh, they had of course uh, staged it to be a beautiful television event with the cathedral at saint mary's in um, peoria and having the feed beamed out to the whole world so the whole world could celebrate and i was going to do the color for salt and light tv here in canada and, um, and again, of course, it got all postponed. So remember what they can't take away. And uh, again, I think this will pass. This will pass. Um, I'd like to say within five years, this will be done. And we'll be then talking about him being Saint Sheen, uh, hopefully one day. But um, again, it looks promising. I'm not, I'm not too concerned. Um, we knew right from the beginning in 2002, that this would be a struggle and uh, our advisors had always said to us um, this will be hard slugging for a long time and with all the different roadblocks that we've had over the years uh, is true it is difficult but again good things happen to those who wait right so absolutely uh, and and you know sometimes those uh, those forces can be uh, outside the church, but sometimes within the church too, which is unfortunate. And uh, But like you said, Al, you, you can't take away the man, the gift that he was to us and the example that he was to us. And and uh, and now it's uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, passing the torch and to this generation, our generation, to, to tell our kids and grandkids and the rest of the church today, not even future generations, this generation today, uh, I should correct myself, the, the action is needed today, not tomorrow. And uh, Archbishop Sheen is always going to be a, a big part of that for me. And I hope he'll be that for our listeners as well. Alan Smith, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Uh, I hope we can do this again and, and track you down and, and talk more about Sheen and more about some of the work that you're doing. And, and uh, it's great to, to have a fellow Canadian, a fellow Canuck also on the, in the vineyard and working to, uh, for the salvation of our, our own souls, first and foremost. And, being right with God, but being that example to other people today too. Boy, do we ever need it in this world today. So, uh, Alan Smith, thanks for everything you're doing. I'll put the uh, links to your books in the uh, the show notes. And uh, how else can we get a hold of you? Do you also have a website that you want to share? Right, I do. Um, the website that I developed back in 2012 is just simply entitled bishopsheentoday.com because we need Bishop Sheen today. So yeah. bishopsheentoday.com, lots of videos, audio, free downloadable pamphlets, books. Um, it's all there. You'll see it. Uh, you'll spend hours and hours. There's a million visitors that come to the website each year. So uh, Bishop Sheen is very popular, especially on the internet. And uh, then there's my Archbishop Sheen Mission Society of Canada, uh, because again, I'm Canadian and I try to take care of my own backyard. Uh, you will see the work that I'm doing across Canada, visiting seminaries, uh, working with many of our youth groups, and of course, um, going to different Catholic conferences, either speaking or having uh, a Bishop Sheen display. But, uh, but you can find me at Bishop Sheen today because we need him today. So uh, again, Thank you for having me, David. It is great. I'm a proud Canadian, and um, hopefully I've been polite and uh, represented well. And again, uh, thank you for bearing with my Toronto Maple Leaf passion. And um, of course, remember, it's God's team. The Toronto Maple Leafs are God's team, okay? So uh, if i got to end with anything, I want to end with Fulton Sheen's, uh, what I call, uh, the line that I love. He said, unless souls are saved, 
nothing is saved. And so uh, that's the uh, advice I want to give the audience in my parting shots is remember Fulton Sheen. Uh, he said, unless souls are saved, nothing is saved. It's all about saving souls, including our own. So God love you, everyone. Thank you, David, for having me on the show. And I appreciate the work you're doing. Well, perfect way to conclude that conversation with Alan Smith, the great and infamous quote from Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, unless all souls are saved, nothing is saved. And that's the primary purpose of the Catholic Church. The primary mission for you and me is to bring souls to heaven, bring our souls to heaven, and then to spread the gospel to others and bring others to heaven as well. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alan as much as I did. Man, did I ever learn a lot. And again, a big thank you to Alan Smith and indeed Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Pray for us. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. Reminder that we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and uh, reach out anytime and say hello and uh, provide any feedback or comments that you'd like. I always love hearing from all of you. And Catholics, you know the drill. You got to go to confession at least three times every year, every Advent, every Lent, and anytime you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you very soon.